Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode. If you haven't seen that um, podcast, where I, Eric, watch the films that I missed as a youngster, and um, as always, I'm joined by my co-host Chris. Eric, lovely to be here. <laughs> it is actually a really nice day to yeah, be indoors, isn't it? It is. It's like 31 <laughs> degrees out there. Your window has such a good view of the blue sky. <laughs> Not a cloud inside, so let's close the blinds and watch a film. <laughs> yeah, let's take advantage of this Australian summer and hide. Yeah. Um, at least we've got beers. Yes, that is something at least. Um, and what better film to watch? Yes, uh, two, two adult grown men sitting there drinking some beers and watching Pretty in Pink. Feel any better if I asked you to the prom? His name's Blaine. He's so beautiful. Blaine? Oh, that's a major appliance. That's not a name. This is not the time to get serious over some nimrod. He's going to use you and then throw you away. You're ashamed to be serious. You're like him, he likes you. Uh, what his friends think shouldn't make any difference. I just want to let them know that they didn't break me. Just don't write love songs like they used to. It's, I, I, oh. Yep, so this is, um... This is going to be um, quite fun, actually. It's sort of what I saw Breakfast Club. I've seen that a few times. That is one I did see um, younger. And when I finally got around to seeing I'm like, oh, that was just awesome. Mm. And just like the soundtrack and everything is just... The whole thing is lovely and so oh. well put together. And Yeah. It's essentially... Breakfast Club almost plays out as if you could do like a stage play and things. Like it's just yeah, simple... It's just- the microcosm it's distilled the microcosm of high school down into like five base characters yeah in like one room yeah basically with some little splinters <laughs> yeah <laughs> um and so good and then then that was sort of when I sort of looked into a bit more and learned about John Hughes and his mm. little little window of direction yeah uh, when he had that little real impact period before he moved into producing or whatever it was yeah so I believe it was it went 16 candles first then breakfast club yep then pretty and pink Yep. So this is, and then uh, Wheatley, though he did not direct this film. Oh, didn't he? No, okay. he, he just wrote and produced this one. This one is directed by uh, Howard Deutsch. Yep. Um, who, yeah, has directed a couple of Hughes films and things. Yep. So, yeah. Um, this is kind of him stepping away a little bit and just be kind of becoming the overseer of it all. I guess. Yeah, because that's yeah. my understanding. Is that sort of where he moved on to mm. a lot of a lot of production? Um, and I'm wondering as well if because this was '86, I. I'm gonna get. I think off the top of my head, that's the same year as Planes, Trains, Automobiles. So he might have been off oh, the, shooting that one while, or you know, being yeah, having heavily involved his, in that at the same time. Yeah, as his directing one. But I could be totally wrong. But um, no, eighty-seven was that. It was um, no, okay. Planes, Trains. So it would have been close by. But, yeah. yeah. Um, but what do you know about this film? Uh, bugger all. Yeah, so, um, no, I know it's got Molly in it, um, his muse for that little period there, mm-hmm. um, and I, all I know is, so I, was, I quickly last night jumped on, jumped on here just to check what the runtime for the film was, and, um, and it popped up, of course, it said, an outcast, I'm like, no, 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 no just, yes. so I know that there's an outcast in the film, now, um, is that Molly? I'm assuming so, but yeah. I also know there's at least one or two guys in the film as well. All right. Um, <laughs> so not knowing anything about it, like, what, and knowing that this is kind of a very kind of cult, like, kind of almost, like, I don't know what I'm trying to say, like, the, the kind of proto-teen film, essentially, yeah. like, what, what do you think you're possibly expecting from it? 
Um, I'm probably expecting a little risky businessy sort of thing. Not, I'm expecting it to be more set in school. And yep. I'm ex- expecting Molly Ringwald to be the main protagonist mm-hmm. who goes through a bit of transformation. Now, pretty in pink, the title and my knowledge of the word outcast um, <laughs> makes me think, um, you know, maybe, maybe she's sort of gets all prettied up, so, but I'll be interested to see if that's in that classic Disney kind of way where she just gets the, she's all that transformation. I was just about to say, you think it could go the she's yeah. all that route? <laughs> what? She had glasses and she was ugly before, but now she takes them off. And wow. Yeah. Like Princess Bride as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so silly. Yeah. So I'm not, I, I feel like surely it's, it's a little bit deep there, but I think at the end of the day, it's going to be centered around Molly and probably the other two characters because based on Breakfast Club and stuff like, um, you know, John writes around multiple characters and just have one, one developing. Yeah. Um, so I'm expecting us to get very attached to, to her and, and her journey. Mm-hmm. And she'll have a, a, like a, you'll understand her sort of past and why she is the way she is. And mm-hmm. I'm assuming she'll have some character transformation. Fair enough. I'm not yeah. expecting it to be like, I'm expecting it to be believable, basically, right. I think is what I'm saying. Yeah, a, a kind of grounded kind a of grounded team. grounded one, yeah. yeah. Um, well, I'm actually looking forward to watching this, because this is probably out of all of the Hughes films, the one I've probably seen the least. Okay. Um, I think I've only ever seen this maybe twice. Wow. And, yeah. I've, and that being said, I have not seen it for at least 10, 15 years. Okay. So yeah. I remember like a few key points and moments and things like that, yeah. but that's, it's kind of... I'm almost watching it with fresh eyes again as well. Yeah. So, well, yeah. I think um, I, I have the picture of um, in my mind of Molly Ringwald sitting opposite Anthony Michael Hall, but I'm pretty sure that's 16 Candles. Mm, we'll see. We'll oh, see. is Anthony Michael Hall in this? No. Yeah, I didn't think so. No. So um, I just a different A. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> um, so anyway, no, I'm intrigued. Yep. Um, obviously, it has a big rap from. Um, Male and female viewers. Yes. Like, it's not as though it's just a girly film or well, something like that. Well, that's, that's John Hughes' appeal. He's yeah. just kind of universally likable, I guess. Yeah. Until he started, you know, doing all of his weird kids' movies later in his career, like Flubber. <laughs> <laughs> See, I never realised that was him. Yeah. Good on him. <laughs> yep. Well, I mean, should we just jump into it then? Yeah, let's find out what's going on. All right. So that was pretty in pink. It was pretty in pink. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was pretty good. Um, look, we'll get to the ending later. Yeah, we'll, oh, we'll get there. Don't worry. Good right. on. So, I mean, obviously in the in the pre-record, you kind of just throw out like the, uh, the possibility of like a she's all that or like mm. the kind of, I mean, having seen the word outcast. <laughs> yes, that was... And then, um, yeah, so in terms of a narrative, what, what, how did you think it played out? Um, yeah, pretty good. Like, I, I guess it was sort of what I'd expect from a, a John Hughes and, and my, my thus far exposed this sort of stuff. Like, very focused tightly around the characters and their um, relationships with each other and their parent and, mm. and things like that. And it didn't actually, like, the, the actual... Like narrative in terms of timing and what happened over a period of time is 
Molly Ringwald, um, Andy wanted a date or didn't know whether or not to go to the prom. Basically, that's yeah. And, and then it's, the other part of it is, um, you know, she's sort of an outcast in school. So there's the it, rich versus not rich, I yeah, guess. Yeah, it, it, it's dynamics. the class struggle, I yeah. guess, of that. Yeah, and that's about it in terms of actual like overarching story. And then everything mm. else is relationship driven and um, and um, high school teen drama, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, the, the film, it ends up just essentially taking the standard kind of high school drama of, like, the girl wanting, like, the, the romance, like, the love triangle, essentially. Yeah. And then Hughes does his typical Hughesian thing of, let's add an extra real-world element on top of this. And yes. use, like, explore that real-world scenario within the kind of paradigm of high school. Yep, high school. And focusing, like, there's so many little... <coughs> things you could focus on within high school but really just focusing yes on that that class society rich poor divide kind of thing yeah um not even really going for the what's cool what's not cool thing it's it's more of the no. money thing even though yeah which um, and that sort of throws the the romeo creates the romeo and juliet the, the start like you know the star cross yeah yeah <laughs> exactly lovers from different families sort yes. of thing um but I find it interesting that that's where the film ends up going because, like you said, the first mm. big chunk of the film, like, what you're set up as the premise of, like, the issue is that she she isn't going to go to prom. No. And uh, her boss and friend Iona has that wonderful little speech about her friend yes. who didn't go to prom. I have this girlfriend who didn't go to hers, and every once in a while she gets this really terrible feeling, you know, like something is missing. She checks her purse and her, she checks her keys, she counts her kids, she goes crazy, and then she realises that... Nothing is missing. She decided it was side effects from skipping the prom. And you're like, oh, okay, well, this is what this is going to be. It's like her, this girl wondering if she's going to be able to have that moment of kind of the end of high school and kind of that, that final step before moving on. But, and that's like really worked up and a big thing for her. It's like super important to her. And then the money thing comes in. And it's, yeah, it sort of takes over. Like... Yeah. The prom thing was never a flat-out obsession. It was just something she was stressing about. No, it, it's almost like the C-plot, almost, of yeah. the film. Like, it's there but, at the start, and then it's there at the end. Mm. But it's not her obsession that she has to go to prom or doesn't have to go to prom. It's just that's the mm. where we're rolling towards, and I guess it fits in with the the love story sort of... The high, relation, school, yeah. high school relationship stuff that they're they're working on, mm. but it, it kind of always I always found it kind of weird that the money issue becomes such a thing like that that's such a big issue for her and like you know there's a couple of moments talking about like capitalism and commercialization and all of that in yeah. there and you're like yeah but you've just been complaining about the prom like that isn't that like <laughs> very kind of commer- like yes yeah that's I always found that kind of odd <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm not sure whether it's trying to like merge tradition and the, the, the old money kind of thing yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly maybe, maybe it doesn't matter too much mm. uh, but it does sort of sort of yeah change path quite a lot but I guess that makes sense once the relationship mm. kicks in and they all the plots kind of merge together yeah. at the end well that being said I, I think possibly like the, probably the real existence for why the prom is there is because it it's the grounded real world problem that a 17 year old girl yeah. Who is feeling like an outcast would be that would be it'd be weighing super heavy. So, yeah, like yeah. I mean, we went to um, like all boys schools. Yes. <laughs> so like there were 
prom-esque things where you'd have to know a girl from another school so it's almost harder or easier i don't know but yeah where you have you, you basically go you know we don't get that in australia so much yeah we don't have the big kind of it's not yeah. like prom is not its own thing the way it is obviously so um yeah like to me it sounds stressful as <laughs> yeah <laughs> to just be like commingling and just like oh, oh my god <laughs> yeah. excuse me <laughs> <laughs> so I like no wonder it's in so many like that is, that is it's a touchstone a, it's such a big deal like every mm. American teenager as far as I'm aware seems <laughs> to go through it yeah um, so it's a perfect setting that viewers can connect with no matter what age they are prom is coming up or they went to prom or they didn't go to prom and to some degree as well it adds the ticking clock element to the film as well yes. because you know prom like, is coming up that's where we're gonna end that's mm-hmm. our like kind of we're all building towards this one big thing yep yeah and thankfully it didn't take like it didn't go... F- not that it was ever going to be like the American pirate, like... Oh, yeah. <laughs> Everyone gets laid! Yeah. Um, but it, it, it didn't really... Like, it didn't stress about... There was enough talk about, obviously, the rich guy, um, James Spader's character. Um, oh, we'll, we'll, get, yeah. we'll get to Steph. He, he was sort of talking. He's kind of a... Just a use them and leave them kind of guy, yeah. I guess. So he's graduating a month. Now, I want to know when this you and I are going to get together and do something. Try never... Well, I'm talking about more than sex, you know. No, you're not. But the film didn't go into that. They just presented him as an awful human being. (laughs) You know, I've been out with a lot of girls at this school. I don't see what makes you so different. (laughs) And, like, let the audience decide for themselves. (laughs) It was, like, at a certain point, was it, like, just before he gets in the fight with Ducky, you said, like, he's literally the devil. (laughs) This is such a bad dude. The girl was, is, and will always be nada. Yeah. Um, Apparently, with uh, Spader's audition, he just like <laughs> was like, "I know how I can get this part. I'm going to nail this." He came into the audition, acted like real flippant, sat down, lit a cigarette in the room, yeah. did the lines, and then butted it out on the wall as he walked out. <laughs> and they were like, "Good lord, <laughs> you got it! You are a method actor." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, so, uh, yeah. So they, that was as close as they got to that kind of thing, and that was good because it still made the film feel, you know, like comfortable enough to watch. Yeah. But um, address that element of, of things, mm. um, and it actually really managed to help keep Blaine. <laughs> what a name! Andy's wealthy love interest. Yep. Um, it actually really helped juxtapose him as maybe he is an all right guy. Yeah, he is actually having some growth and breaking away from, and doesn't view the superficial kind of high school life and the, the things that he's raised in and kind of the circles he's in as something that's important if he can actually see character and yeah. beyond that, which it, yeah. it's nice. It's nice it's actually having character. Yeah. But it just, it, which makes the kind of third act kind of, the tension towards the end of the second act where mm. it kind of all falls apart, their relationship, it makes it actually kind of interesting because you're thinking this guy is going to change and grow and become this yeah. great person and he's going to stand up for against um, James Spader. Yeah, because he has everything in him like that, at that party and stuff. And yeah. The way he sticks around he's, he's and He's telling Benny to shut up and things. Yeah, he's like, doing yeah. everything right. And then just... And then at the end when she's like, I, d- I just don't want you to take me home and things, he... Kind of reacts appropriately. Mm. It's like he's, he's, he's Blaine's a good dude. He, yeah, he's, he's he's a good dude um, until 
until James Bader has a chat to him. <laughs> yeah, I just want, I really want someone to superimpose, take that scene where it's like the morning after the party and James Bader's sitting there in his never buttoned up shirts. Yeah. <laughs> Who needs buttons? <laughs> and he's um, telling Blaine what for of like, you know, how dare you bring her to the party and like, we're a different yeah. breed of people. Yes. Oh. <laughs> he's talking eugenics. Oh my gosh, pretty much. <laughs> I just want someone to superimpose like a Scarface level yes. amount of coke on the yeah. table. <laughs> I was, that's what I actually thought he was doing until I saw the cigarette rolling. Yeah. Oh, I thought he was just... He's just, like, doing a while. Partying on day two. Yeah. Um, everyone else is soft. But it's like, yeah, I really want, like, an, a different cut of this film, like, with all... Just, like, James Peter constantly doing coke. Yeah, just, just buzzing a little more. Yeah. Just blend this with uh, less than zero, because Andrew McCarthy's in that as well, so you're fine. <laughs> all right, that's your homework. Uh, um, I'll see what I can do. <laughs> but yeah, and then Blaine moves on from that point and and he's he doesn't take her phone calls and stuff and essentially doesn't isn't brave enough to tell her I can't do this, my life won't it just it won't work. It, the, it's the, too the society, much of a shift. Yeah. The, the society and everything I'd have to do and ultimately, like, they'd known each other for, like, six days. It's high school. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but he didn't have that thought. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Everyone professes love in this film after, like, a day. Yeah. It's yeah. great. It's amazing. <laughs> Even the adults. <laughs> it's lovely. Um, <laughs> um, but, yes, like, when, when that happens, you're sort of, you're like, yeah, I think probably fair enough. Like, you're a nice guy. But, like, the way that the film had painted his friends group and society so well that like you're just splintering away from them actually just seemed impossible I actually felt sorry for him yeah it was kind of like after that scene with James Spader the morning after you're just like and James Spader's like if you keep dating her like you're not gonna have a friend like you know he has his lines there whatever they are you know if you want your little piece of low grade ass fine take it you know but if you do you're not gonna have a friend is that right yeah that's right and you're expecting like Blaine to be like well good like, yeah. you, you're a tool. <laughs> like, yeah. I, like well, who would want to be friends with this guy? Yeah, and, and like, James Spade is clearly not a nice person. And um, none of the others are ever really painted as nice. The rich the rich folk, but you don't get to make many of them. <clears throat> um, but still, like, um, like walking up and uprooting your entire, like, all right, I get bye, it, yeah. everybody I know. Even yeah. if you're not really friends with them, it's a, it's a huge gamble and... He's got his parents who are clearly old money. Yeah. Um, and he's visibly shaken by, like, the world and the circles that Andy travels in, like, when they go to the punk club or, like, yeah. the new wave... The, not punk club, like, you know, the new wave club or yeah. whatever. And yeah. He's, like, he's happy to give it a crack, like she was at the party. But he's out of his element. He's way out of his element. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, if, if he does take this plunge for Andy, then he loses a lot. Mm. Um... Like, well, everything, basically, he's yeah. to basically is an ultimatum. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which is... It's just, her or all of us. <laughs> he's, he's, he's literally Satan at the crossroads. Yeah, it is. <laughs> um, it's pretty full on, so... Um, um, but that's the thing, like, like I get where the sympathy for, for Blaine comes from yes. because of that. Mm. But the way he acts in that scene, I think, is so rough. Like, you, you feel kind of bad for him because, like, he, you can see he's genuinely not wanting to do what he's doing, like, by no. breaking Andy's heart and being a dick, essentially. Like, yep. you know, doing that. Yep. Um, but at the same time, it's so horrible and superficial that you just, like... Uh... Yeah. Yeah. And then... Well, we, we won't go to the ending just yet. We'll talk about Ducky. <laughs> Morning. Welcome to another day of higher education. 
Oh, yes. <laughs> so, Ducky for me, for at least the first 10, 20, 30 minutes is irritating as. Yep. But then he just becomes so endearing. Yeah. Like, he tra- like, and he doesn't change his performance, but you just get to know him better. Yeah, and you under- you can understand where he comes from. It- he starts at a hundred. Oh yeah. And once you kind of get used to once that, you're just for a hundred, <laughs> you're fine with him. Yeah, but exactly. What do you think the turning point is, like with Ducky? Yeah. Look, so the, the irritating moments, you know, when he's just so clueless, like he's sitting down next to her dad, and he's like, "I love her. I'm going to marry her." Yeah. And stuff like when oh. he just keeps setting off the fire alarm in the record. Yeah, so that's what the are you worst. doing? Yeah. Hi. How's your day? Baby pumps out about 300 decibels, huh? Could you do this? Well, I'm not sure. I mean, I was just using your powder room, and I decided not to disturb you, so I was going to go out the back door. But I guess I must have touched something. How'd you get in here? Are you mad? Yes, I'm mad. I don't hate him even more at that point because he's made uh, Andy lose her chance of Blaine, seemingly. Yes. Yeah. Yep. So, I mean, I have no issue with his fashion sense, his quirkiness, any of that stuff. Any man that can rock a bolo tie that well demands respect. <laughs> yeah, whilst in that outfit. Yeah. Like, you're either a cowboy or you're in that outfit. <laughs> yes. Um, and, um, but it's just like, it's just, just general cluelessness and, or his over-the-top cluelessness or yeah. whatever his act is, 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 is irritating. But then maybe it's the night when they're studying together. See, I, I think it's the coming in and the Otis Redding song. Actually, that's pretty good. Where you're just like, this guy's just fun. Yes, true. And and the the per, like what Howard Deutsch did like that's great in terms of uh, a directing standpoint is because we're constantly he's doing this outrageous lip sync act to the whole song, which the whole is thing. wonderful. Yeah. Um, and you're having uh, Molly Ringwald sitting there with just this look of like, ugh, this yeah. again. <laughs> But then he very cleverly cuts in uh, Annie Potts, like as Iona, that character, her close yes. up, and she's loving it. She's like, oh my gosh, this, this is guy is fabulous. This is what a wild life. character. Yeah. And you're like, oh, okay, I get like. And I think he's... maybe the reason that scene's so good is because he's not really doing it for Annie. No, he's just. Andy, sorry. Yeah. Um, he's just himself. He's just doing it because yeah. it's entertaining himself. And even like the footage, maybe that reminds me of the, the cutaway footage of him just um, riding his bike down the street to New Order and doing get the, mm. the stunt actor doing some sweet tricks. Um, and it's like this is just this guy's energy all the time. And it's also like uh, going back to you said the scene where they're studying at night. Um, Andy goes downstairs to get him a drink, and he just starts puts on a hat and starts singing into a hairbrush. Yeah. You're like, this guy's just. And he lets out yeah. his thoughts to nobody there, and I think that's probably where. You're like, he's not just ham- hamming it up for somebody else. I love this woman. I love this woman, and I have to tell her. And if she laughs, she laughs. And if she doesn't love me, she doesn't love me. But if, if I don't find out... He actually cares about her and is actually yeah. going through some emotional like stuff. He really like... cares for her. And then that, that, there's just sort of this combined effort. And it's, it's sort of like in... You know, we've all we had that moment in life when you meet somebody like, oh, for the first time at a mm. party or something. You're like, oh my god, they're annoying. And then you, and then like four <laughs> years later, you're just really good friends. Exactly. And yeah, I'm not yeah. telling any of my friends who that person might be. <laughs> <laughs> but we all we've all oh, had those experiences. No, no. Everyone has a friend yeah, like that. Yeah. Like first impression, like, what is this person? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then after a while, you're like, actually, this person's pretty great. Yeah. Um. Somehow, in an hour and a half, they do that with Ducky. I think. Yeah. 
Um, they turn him from irritating into you, like, oh, no, I get him. Super indie. And then by the, when you get to the finale at the prom, when the kind of the crowd parts and you see him come into the shot, yeah. it's, you're like, oh, yay. Yes, <laughs> exactly. It's, you've earned it there. And at that it's point. not even like, you, you know, surely it's coming. Yeah. But yeah. You, you know what? I didn't feel like there are so many cliches of that. Like, how many movies do that? Yeah, exactly. Um, and I've seen it so many times. Um, but I'm like, great. Yep. Good. Yeah. Um, like, it's going to happen sometime, I know. But I'm like, yep, yeah, there he is. Yeah. He's looking pretty dapper, to be honest. Because he disappeared from the film since the fight with Spader. Yeah, they removed right. him. They didn't really need him anymore at that point. Yeah. Um, because he's had his hero redemption moment, essentially, by... And we know where he stands. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah, throughout the whole film, we know yeah. where he stands. But, the, like, he has his growth where he actually... Because early on in the film, there's a part where he gets bumped by a guy and tries to stand up for himself oh, and yeah. then gets... Thrown in the girl's bathroom. <laughs> yeah. Punched into the girl's bathroom or something. Yeah. And then he basically just hides there. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then by the end of the... Like, you know, his turning point is hearing Spader say this horrible stuff about Andy and then actually being like, no, I am actually going to stand up this time yeah, and, and she, she's not watching she's yeah. not here she'll never like, know granted he's standing up through violence which isn't necessarily no. but yeah <laughs> but he knows we've seen him get beaten up before we know he's not yeah he's not um, it, look at his body shape compared to James Spade yeah, he's I going see, to lose Spade is two and a half of him yeah. <laughs> he's going to lose but the interesting part about him standing up and getting in the fight with Spader mm. is Andy's not there exactly yeah yes. he's doing it for himself and his own character yeah, and he may is, or may not find out yeah but he defends her honour without doing it in front of her the chivalrous way <laughs> I, I hate to say like you know because obviously this is a big like you know female protagonist film and things mm. and we're two guys sitting here talking but is Ducky the most interesting character <laughs> um, is the guy yeah yeah, it, it, yeah actually I really I think it's got a lot Iona's really interesting as oh, well she's great. as someone who is uh, I think she quotes 15 years older yes so she's been through it all before she's mm. still single yeah she's still looking for the right she thing she owns a record store she, she's she, cool she cannot decide on her dress sense whether she's punk whether she's like you said auditioning for Blade Runner <laughs> The scene where she's looking like Pris from Blade Runner was amazing. And then the beehive hairdo. The beehive hairdo. And then at the end when she's got this weird sort of like... She's gone contemporary, like, you know, (laughs) conservative contemporary. Yes. It's like her most normal outfit. Yeah. Um, It's all because of Terrence who owns a pet shop. Good old Terrence. He's got got an income and (laughs) and he likes women. That's her only two like parameters for a partner. Life's got pretty desperate. Yeah, thirty-three year old. Oh dear. Uh, <laughs> um, I, I still actually found um, Andy pretty interesting. Actually, yes, yes of course. Um, because her, I think her relationship with her dad is lovely. That to me is the like emotional anchor for the film. That is so important for this movie. And I think it's a brilliant casting move by getting Harry Dean Stanton in that role. Yeah, they were, he was fantastic because yes. he he looks like an unemployed dad. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but he also looks like a lovely dad. Yeah. And they kind of just mess him up a little bit. He's not made out to be a hopeless alcoholic or anything like that. No. He's just He's, he's broken-hearted. Just, he's, yeah, he's broken-hearted. Mm. And um they share such a open relationship. They tell each other, you know, he tells it, oh, when did I last tell you? Beautiful and mm. stuff. Um, and then that scene where, like, she comes home and he's 
she's been asked to the prom by Blaine and she's so happy and he's so happy for her and he's like, oh, you know, your mum should be here or whatever mm. for this. Or Yeah, sometimes I feel a little sorry that uh, I'm the one you have to talk to about these things. I'm not. She couldn't have said it any better than you. And he's like, oh, all the feels. <laughs> and it's just, it's just done really lovely. Like, they just, they don't have much financially. Mm. Um, which, and that's the whole point of the film. You don't necessarily need that. Blaine's not very happy. No. You don't see his parents. Oh my God, once. there are so many melancholy shots of him sitting on his bed. And he's like, and the juxtaposition of his, you know, empty bedroom with his standard, like, it's like an office desk. Yeah, life. almost. Um, and like. Whereas she's obviously got quite an artistic, um, she's got some, I think she's got music posters up and she, you know, she designs her own clothes basically mm. because she can't afford $1,000 yeah. prom dresses or exactly, whatever. Exactly, yeah. Um, <laughs> and that's another interesting thing about it. You just know she's creative. You don't get to see much more than that, but you're shown enough to go, she can make her own clothes. Mm. So when she makes her own, um, um, when she makes her own pretty pink prom dress out of, her two uh, dresses two dresses yeah the one her dad bought her and um and the one her friend had offered her mm. Iona um just like yeah of course she's gonna make that and it's gonna be great it's, it's gonna yeah. be great she's got sweet fashion ability mm. but the film like really awesomely sets up from the get go like who she is what she is as a character like it's her getting ready and it's in this wild outrageous outfit that mm. she's and then you immediately find out she's made it herself yep and you also find out Single parent. Yep. She's assuming the role of both daughter and, and mother. Mom. Yep. Yeah, and, 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 and like, yep. like you know, taking like everything's established with her yep. as a character before the credits stop rolling. And you can even tell Dad's not hopeless. No, Dad's just not doesn't have everything to. Get. There's no drive there necessarily. No. Yeah, which um, is like yeah, yep. But then that, you, that's what makes Andy such an interesting character. I think is because. She's then thrust into this high school world where, you know, she's got the scholarship to the nice school, like, you know, the... Uh, where I, my one problem with the film is that it's lit, there's a literal other side of the tracks, like, they have to cross the Amtr- like the train track and the... Oh, I didn't even think of that. Yeah, that's yeah. like, that's the little one thing where you're like, that's a little yeah. on the nose. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, see, I wasn't even looking for it, but that's a very good point. <laughs> but, you know, she, she's in this, you know, finds herself in the upper class mm. world being, you know, from the other side of the tracks and things. Yeah. But we know going in having that first opening scene that she is dealing with and is way more mature and she just doesn't have time for all this other rubbish. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And that it makes her such a strong and interesting character. I think seeing her turn down James Spader at the start. Yeah. You're like, he, I mean, he's clearly a dirtbag, and she clearly has no time for it. Oh yeah. He's given off those rapey vibes. Oh my gosh. Like le- not letting her get in her car. And, yeah. Yeah. I'm, like, I'm pretty sure it's obvious why she doesn't want to spend time with you, man. You're horrible. <laughs> yeah. She, her Satan detectors on. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I think that's like what makes this film kind of endear is because there is that extra depth and layer to these characters. Like yep. each of them has something else yep. going on. Like Blaine's realizing where he is in his life is not great. Yep. The people he surrounded himself in the society, like yep. being in a society that judges only based on wealth yes. and status. Material. Yep. Um, and then, yeah, <laughs> like it's, it's great. Yep. Like Andy kind of, all the stuff she's dealing with. Yeah. And then visually the film does it subtly, but obviously like when they go to the party and all the, Pre- or even the other part of the school where all the preppy kids are just all in white, basically. Yeah, and then... And just, like, the, the real divides, and you've got the really artistic, and then, like, yeah, the... He, um, he goes out the back behind the gym. Yeah, where it's he's all afraid to go. Kids, yeah, yeah, all the weirdos. Yeah. Um, and then, like, obviously the, the rich kids' house party versus the um, the new wave club. Yep. Um, and stuff, and just, like, they're kind of... 
well, they're, they're fairly obvious in a way. But, oh, yeah. But they're, yeah. they're massive. They're really great juxtapositions of just like, these are different ways that life works. Like <laughs> high school's just, you've got to keep moving. and um, But also you can be trapped in your circle mm. um, one way or the other. Why can't they cross over theoretically? Yeah. <laughs> um, theoretically. But even um, a few other just little moments like in the montage where um, she's making her, her final prom dress mm. And there's that little one shot where the dad takes down the old photo of the, the mother, which yeah. had been just framed by his bed, and he'd seen it in scenes, but never been directly pointed out. He just takes it and puts it in the drawer face down. He's ready to move That's on. his move on moment. Yeah. Just one brief two-second little yeah. shot. You're like, great, that fits him. Everyone's getting closure. <laughs> yeah, everything's just closed up tightly, and mm. you don't need a big, like, you should put that photo down. Or like yeah, he yeah. <laughs> There's not a big dramatic music swell. It's just no. It's just a cutaway in the middle of a montage. Yep. And you get the audience gets what they need to see, and you can move on. So you can mm. somehow like full circle like six characters. Yep. In an hour and thirty minute, forty minute film. It's it's. It's Hughes is pretty good with structure. Yeah. Right <laughs> yeah. With structure. Um, I was just trying to think like, is there anything from this film that is like extemporaneous that could be just cut out it's, it's pretty well, concise mate like, yeah like yeah. I mean in a way the most useless character is Spaders in terms of like his his story arc is but his his, his, Him as his a character presence is, is really important it's really important but he's a the character of Steph as he's written is a little yeah. moustache twirly like yes. he's he's just a little bit <laughs> he's, too he's a little yeah exactly moustache twirly is a good one yeah um, he's there he's meant to be that real it's, it's, I guess it's so that you don't have to meet many of Blaine's friends, really, isn't it? Yeah, it's um, just we've got one that represents that. <laughs> yeah, and you see enough of him, and Blaine has that one line with him. You buy everything, Steph. You couldn't buy her, though. That's what's killing you, isn't it? Oh, Steph. That's it, Steph. She thinks you're shit. And deep down, you know she's right. And it, and it kind of works well as well, having one for each. Like, you've got one friend for Blaine, one friend for Andy, mm-hmm. and then, yeah, just... Yeah, and Andy has a school friend, sort of, which mm. you see enough of just to kind of yeah. have a couple of other outcasts at school. But her, Iona's her primary one, and Ducky's her lifelong yeah. friend, question mark. Well, she never sees. It's all about, yeah... Well, that, that's actually interesting you bring up. Is Andy clueless to the fact that Ducky is in love with her? Like I'm, I'm legit yeah, wondering that. Me like, too. It's, I was about to say yes, but I'm like because like when they show up like on the de- like she she doesn't seem to get why he's so no. I think maybe she is, and I think part of it comes down to his just 100 percent boisterous, outrageous behavior every time. That whenever he tries to make any grand gesture or something, it's just ducky being ducky. Yeah, so it never actually stands unless he out, actually like truly says something which is also the great bedroom scene where he yes. says i just need to i just say need it. to say it and yeah. even at the end when he has yeah at the at the the prom where he shows up for her which is we've seen his house wow so, that's sad that's oh, the saddest oh. shot in the whole film it's ducky lying on his mattress on the floor <laughs> yep. throwing cards into a hat <laughs> like <that's, laughs> it's like the saddest it's like Texture gra- graffiti on the wall, yeah. like, like oh boy, like we thought Andy wasn't doing all that well, but, but you know, okay, mm. um, Ducky ain't doing great no. um, on the the money sense. Mm. Um, 
And you, maybe you get a little bit of understanding there why um, when Andy asked him, you know, why are you, why are you, you're, you're failing your test on purpose, aren't you? You don't want to leave high school. Maybe that's why he doesn't want to enter the real world. Because he is like, his idea of and what he's shown of the real world is a mattress on the floor. Yeah. And now how's he going to get away from that? Yeah, yeah. Um, like everyone else has cars, he has a bike, like, yeah. Yes, exactly right. So. Yep. Mm. Well, this could be a good point to lead on to ending stuff, yeah, possibly. Yeah. So, do you know anything? Like, I'm guessing know nothing about and like what was originally planned and no. even shot. No. Okay, so it's good to know that there was other stuff shot. So yes, because you did. We should say like uh, you did not like it. The ending. As no, it didn't. Why? What? What was? I just don't think Blaine did enough to um, to bring himself back into the picture. Yeah. Like, he came alone. Look, I see what Ducky said. He did all the right things. Um, he I is just, different. He yeah. is different. But, like, he's still just some dude who smiled at her once. Yeah. Like, I just... There wasn't enough in their chemistry even to... The, to suggest that the Ducky, who has actually made a, a romantic gesture mm. and really... I don't think it, it needed to be said anymore. Yeah. Um, and my interpretation is that Ducky obviously loves her and she doesn't love him back. A bit like the father-mother situation. Oh, okay. Because like, yeah. that, that was yeah. rammed home a few times. Yep, yep. Um, I believed in you, didn't believe in me, or vice versa, or whatever. Yeah. Um, and the chat Ducky has with Andy's dad, mm. um, you know, I loved her, she just didn't love me back. Yeah. And so I'm assuming it's a bit more on that, and Ducky's like, I have to accept this, she doesn't love me back. Yeah. I just didn't get a stronger... I mean, there was clearly... Andy never showed moments of being interested in Ducky that yes. way. Yeah. Um, and they're clearly really good friends, but I still just felt that there was just so much more in that relationship. Even though they tried to show her just being like, that's Ducky being Ducky. So at the end, when Ducky shows up at the prominence, they walk in together and there's the shot of them finally holding hands. And mm. you're, were you kind of like, oh, okay, cool. This is where we're going to go. And this is yeah. great. And then Blaine comes in. I think and maybe that was the problem. It, maybe it's just the way it was delivered. Uh, it, it was delivered in a way where I was like, okay, we're going to get this outcome that we probably should get. Yeah. And maybe it was just a little too subtle like the signs they were trying to send that, yeah. no, this is just friends linking up to tackle the prom together. Okay. Um, uh, yeah. Well, 1986 audiences vastly disagreed with you. Uh, <laughs> the studio, when doing testing for the film, uh, audiences hated the ending, which was originally Andy got together with Ducky. Really? That was how it was originally shot and all planned out. Okay. Um, yeah, so that scene of them at the prom, like, I, yeah, that's what happened. They got together and that was that. Like, yeah. Like, kind of credits roll. Yep. Uh, test audiences hated it. Okay. It, the, the good old Reagan era kids were like, we want them to go with the rich kid. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> no, that, that's a bit harsh. <laughs> but no, they, um, yeah, it, it tested really poorly and the studio hated it as well so they made uh, Hughes rewrite it and do reshoots so she oh, ends up with Blaine with Blaine yeah yeah. and if you look uh, Andrew McCarthy had shaved his head to be in a play on Broadway so he's wearing a wig in that fucking really? <laughs> yeah um, oh, but yeah so they had to kind of redo yeah. all of that look I, I think I would have accepted it even if Blaine came up and apologised and what I think that I, I have to assume that's in the film because you can't leave Blaine 
hanging, hanging like no, that. You, you need that be, resolution. Yeah, so. and I think he deserved the resolution because yeah. he's not a bad guy. Yes, um, he's just stuck in his world. But I almost might have been happy. I'm not sure. It's hard to say without seeing it. But with Blaine apologising and disappearing from the picture, mm. and her and Ducky just being friends. Mm. And it just being accepted that they're 17 year olds, they don't know what love is yet. That's my big thing as well. Like, yeah, that's <laughs> like, legitimately like, like I kind don't of think my dream ending. She needs to end up with Blaine. No, but Blaine needs to apologise and understand, and they need to kind of put that to bed. And Blaine then... deserves it as a character. Yeah. And um, I think that, yeah, they need that personal closure. Yes. Um, but I can understand maybe why audiences didn't want the ducky thing either. Apparently, it was because they were like, well, ooh, she's kissing her, her brother. Like, they really oh, yeah, viewed they... it as that character. Like, he essentially yeah, interesting. taking that role, which which I, I guess means they just didn't connect with his plight as a character, and they just yep. viewed him as the comic relief. Mm. And isn't it funny that he's going through emotional pain? Oh, boy. <laughs> so, okay, yeah, all right. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so that was basically what the original ending was. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, it is fascinating. Like, movies could be done so differently. Just one little thing here and there. Um, like, I was telling you, I rewatched Get Out last night and then mm. immediately afterwards watched the alternate ending. Oh, yes. Oh, which boy, is... It's too real. Oh, I mean, it's, it's so rough. Yeah, so they had to change that one, I think. Just as an audience, you just deserved a happier ending. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but th- that ending and is also a very well-written ending. Yeah, it's, it's uh, after you've been through the brutal, like, that brutality of that film. You need, <laughs> you need something that you isn't... You need that line as you get in the car. I mean, I told you not to go in the house. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So um, you just need it's that. amazing how, yeah. You need Lil Rel to show up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, anyway, mm. um, so these amazing endings can make... Mm. Well, recently there was, like, the 30th anniversary and stuff. Um, mm. There was yeah. a Vanity Fair piece done, and um, I think it was, like, uh, Annie Parts, who played Iona, um, yep. Molly Ringwald, John Cryer, who played Ducky, like, all getting together and stuff. Yep. And apparently um, uh, Robert Downey Jr. was almost cast in the role of Ducky. Oh yeah, okay. And Molly Ringwald maintains that if um, he had been cast of Ducky, the original ending might have stayed because the just the general charm and charisma of Danny Jr. Yeah. and versus the playful nature of yeah, the what John John Cryer put out in his yeah. form. Like, and she's like not bashing what he did, but like, yes, yeah, yeah it's is. just the vibe of the characters. It it could have made that original ending stick, but yep, who knows? Yeah, yeah. No, that's a very good point. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, no, I, I like the third option ending of just like, no one gets together with anyone because yeah, it's, it's high school. Yeah, everyone's <laughs> learned a lesson about love. Yeah. Um, and they can go on and... <laughs> yeah. Find you you don't need later. to find love at the prom. No, exactly. Um, yeah. But um, I can see how, you know, that's 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 now and today. And... It's interesting, actually. Um, John Hughes hates... Hated... Oh, shit. Unfortunately, past tense. Hated this ending. Like, well, it's actually in the film. I'm kind of with you, John. Yeah. <laughs> he, um... So much so that he essentially remade the film a year later uh, oh. with the film Some Kind of Wonderful. Oh, okay. Uh, got Howard Deutsch back to direct. Yep. Um, and he even asked Molly Ringwald to come back and star in the film. Uh, she said no. Yeah. And that kind of 
was a bit of tension between them and why yeah. they never ended up yeah, working together ever again. Why that, yeah, okay. Um, but yeah, it's essentially, he kind of gender reversed the film. Yeah. Where it's okay. a male protagonist who starts dating like a new girl and then his best friend who's a girl realizes she's in love with him and it's yeah. that, and the awkward outcast best friend, they end up getting together. Like, spoiler alert for some kind yeah. of wonderful, but yeah. Yeah. So he essentially like gender gender swapped and did how he originally wanted the film this film to go. That's very interesting because that's a big use of your time. Yeah, he must have really hated the ending. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Like that's that's and I to mean, get Paramount to give you like another eight million dollars to do it or whatever. Yeah, exactly. That's like that's a huge deal. Yeah. It's like, I could go on and do something fresh. No. No, I just, I need to make, it, it was essentially, he, I, he's like, I need to make this right. Yeah. I need to give, because he was always just a singer for the outcasts. Like that's, if you yes. look at the majority of his films, with maybe the exception of Ferris Bueller. Yeah. Um, yeah. Everyone, most people in his films are the outcasts, are the weirdos, yeah. are the loner kids. And I guess he felt he kind of betrayed them by <laughs> like yes. doing this. Yeah. So he's like, I need to... No, make a film where it's, this is right. Yep, yep. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> um, this is soundtrack, though. Oh, yes, we, I mean, we can't skip we've got to talk. I, I just bring it up, like, out of, like, left field now, just because we, we have to talk about it. Yes. Um, <laughs> Randomly, went, while we were watching the film, I saw Pitchfork put up an article, uh, the top 50 movie soundtracks of all yes. time. And this came in at number 23. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I did love sitting here watching with you. You were just like, oh, yep, Joy Division, New Order, New Order. Like, you were yeah. picking all the songs. It was great. <laughs> yeah, it was, um, I mean, it's... it's Hard not to be one of the best soundtracks when you have that many songs in there. Yeah. There's like a new one every like minute. Yes. Um, it's one of those movies. Um, to the point where I'm like, I can't even tell which synth the 80s tune we've got going now. And uh, it's, I, I, Hughes had that kind of style with his films where he would just, he was really in touch with what was happening in, with music at that time. Yeah. And he would just pick like all the chart toppers and like great interesting music and things and just yeah. jam his films full of them and yep. yeah <laughs> works yep. and it, it also now in hindsight it works so well in terms of like oh what a wonderful time capsule of great interesting music and that's the thing it is time capsule is a really good way to put it because I think it is very difficult to do it with modern music yes because um, it may not hold up at all mm. um, you know it's easy enough to, in a way, to go nostalgic. I like if you're doing a period piece and just bring in the music that stood the test of time. Or yes, yeah. It's very much a time piece. Um, or you could do the Tarantino and just use Obscure, song, random obs- weirdness obscure, from your record or, collection. <laughs> yeah, and just use them perfectly. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, yeah, I guess Edgar Wright tried to a little bit with Baby Driver. Yeah. Um, sort of, I would also argue he did with uh, some, like the music used in Shaun of the Dead and yes. uh, World's End as well. The use of um, Alabama song in World's End is fantastic. I don't even, I've only seen yeah, World's End once. I don't remember the soundtrack very well, but Shaun of the Dead, yeah, that's. A, I was. Um, I was actually listening to the specials on the way over here. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, like, but once again, I guess he pulls out older songs yes, for that. Yeah. Baby Driver, he throws in a few newer ones. So that's sort of what made me think of it. But mm. he chucks out ones anyway. Um, modern, I think, is really hard to do. Um, like it can just date really badly. It cannot even hit the mark at the time because you've just chosen artists that are too popular or not cool. Um, yeah, but but what I think works with makes this film work so well with the music is he's not only chosen good songs and interesting artists, 
but they they work for the tone of the film. Yeah, he chooses instrumental stuff quite a lot. Like, yeah. um, or he uses only the instrumental parts of songs, like the New Order tracks he uses. Yeah. Um, he doesn't get to um, to any of the lyrical parts, and that's New Order off their singles like nine minute tracks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there's a heap to work with, um, and then like um, the only one that really hits the lyrics that I can remember immediately is um, "If You Leave." Um, mm. Which is playing during the prom, which is what orchestral maneuvers in the dark. Yes, um, well done, sir. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then actually, of course, Otis Redding or whatever, and, and the opening track of um, "Pretty in Pink" by the Psycho. Of course, first. yep. And I would say there's the one more, which is in the super sad ducky scene. Oh, it yeah. just adds the extra element <laughs> of he's listening <laughs> to "Let Me Get What I Want" by the Smiths. <laughs> on his own on his mattress. And there's nothing like if you take a sad scene and then you just have Morrissey's voice lilt in, you're oh. like, oh, this is infinitely sad. Yeah, this just got so much worse. <laughs> yeah. Um, ex- so very true. He uses the tone of songs yeah. beautifully. But that's yeah. like 1986. Like that is a huge huge song but he only uses it briefly sparingly very in a, softly very softly and in an appropriate moment like yep. it's not hey look everyone we got the smiths yeah well, we paid money for the smiths yeah um so yeah so the soundtrack is um i'm not surprised it, it is in there weirdly though like the the genesis of the film came from molly ringwald pretty in pink by the psychedelic first was her favorite song and she oh. asked john hughes can you make a song kind of based around this and that's so make a movie based around this. Yes, song. sorry, yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or like that uses this to yep. some degree or whatever, and he was like, "Cool." <laughs> well, they did a bloody good job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yes. Yeah, so um, I don't know. Those are probably all the the key sort of things that. Oh, apart from the cars, rad. Oh, the yeah. Everyone's car is great. Everyone has great cars in this film. And I, I would be remiss if I didn't briefly mention the bizarre. I lost my mind when Andrew Dice Clay showed up. Oh, oh yeah. You had to tell me who, who he even was. Yeah, bizarre. the Dice Man. I totally forgot he was in this film as the bouncer. His cigarette tricks. Oh my god. There's a there's a brief like. It's not brief. What am I saying? Brief. <laughs> they give him way more time than he. Well, he deserves. He makes a meal out of lighting a cigarette. It's bizarre. Just sit God up. bless Andrew Dice Clay, though. He's a weird, weird unit. Yeah, yeah, that was, that was good. Weirdly, like he was unrecognized. It, it, like it was one of those things. Like halfway through watching A Star Is Born, I was like, "Wait a minute, that's Andrew Dice Clay <laughs> as Lady Gaga's dad? What the hell?" Some something just crept in there somehow. Yeah, he's a lot. Fatter and a lot bald than Alex. Oh, so really? He's, yeah, he's kind of like, oh, okay. Yeah, he's older. Not recognize you. No. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, unless you got anything else. I mean. No, unless you've got um, your, your alternate casting. Um, I do have some alternate casting. Okay. But do you want to hear about how well it went? Uh, yeah, yep. Uh, so the film had a budget of $9 million. Okay. And it went on to gross $40.4 million at the US box office. Okay, so good return on what they put in, and so yeah. that's why he got his money to remake it, basically. <laughs> Essentially. Yep. Uh, so adjusted for inflation, it's about $107 million today, so not not bad. It's solid. For, what's an indie film, basically, yeah. in, in terms of target audience, I guess? Yeah, it's, it's for a niche, smaller yeah. audience. Uh, it came in as the 22nd highest grossing film of 1986. Well, that's pretty solid, yep. Uh, coming in behind previous films, we've done uh, Top Gun and Crocodile Dundee as number ones and two. It, <laughs> it didn't beat either of those? No. Oh. Um, <laughs> but in terms of alternate casting, um, I, I find this weird. There's a, I've got a list of people that apparently were considered for the role of Andy and then oh. two that turned it down, which I find suspect because... Yeah. 
Molly Ringwald was essentially John Hughes's muse. Yeah. And I also found out doing research that she was actually involved, uh, like they brought in her to help with the casting process. To be like, oh, we need you to inform this character, like who would be someone that you would... So basically wrote the character around her. Yeah, yeah. and it, it's the kind of idea that, you know, originally Blame was supposed to be like the hunky kind of square jaw, just generic jock. Yep. And then when Andrew McCarthy came in, yep. she was like, that's actually... What would work. That That's going to work, that guy. Like, that's the type of guy I could we're see not myself falling in. We're for. not bringing in Channing Tatum. Yeah, essentially. <laughs> um, so, like, I, I've got a list for the Andes, but I'm like, they, no, they never... Well, who, who are the two that, that may have turned it down? Uh, Jodie Foster. Oh, okay, yeah. And Justine Bateman. Uh, do I know Justine? Um, yeah, she's a, she's a really good actress, but um, you might know her um, from a very wonderful episode of Arrested Development where he uh, Michael's dating someone who it turns out might be his sister. Hang on, I can do this. Hang on, why is that... Skipping my mind. Uh, I've seen that show so many times. It's like in season three, because that is actually Jason Bateman's sister. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, some of the other people were like Diane Lane, Sarah Jessica Parker, Brooke Shields. Like, oh, yeah. it's it's yeah, the just dubious just... IMDb trivia. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's a big list. Yep. Uh, the one I found interesting, though, was uh, Angelica Houston was considered for the role of Iona. I, I would have... Oh, yeah, okay. That yeah. would have been interesting, I yeah, think. Yeah, I, I mean, I've never seen her in a film like... Before like the year two thousand, so mm. I have known. Uh, oh, you should dive into some early stuff, like Princess Honor and stuff. Like, yeah, she's yep. great, 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 great actress. Yeah, but um, I, I don't know. Like Annie Potts owned that role. Yeah, she was great. She, she yeah. was really, really good at it. Do you know who Annie Potts is? The name sounds familiar, but no, I'm gonna say I'm just crazy. She is the receptionist in Ghostbusters. Ah, oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Who's in love with Harold Ramis? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, what Janine? That's the name. Yes. <laughs> Um, apparently Anthony Michael Hall turned down the role of Ducky. He was offered yeah, it. Yeah, he was, was he? Yep. Um, because he didn't want to be typecast, because he'd already essentially played the weird offbeat character in yeah. Sixteen Candles and Breakfast Club, like, always with Molly Ringwald, always John Yeah, Hughes, probably like, a good move on his behalf. You can't just keep doing the same thing. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and he also felt that the film was essentially rehashing Sixteen Candles. So he was yep. like, I'm, I'm good. I'm done. Yep. Um, Thank you, though. And the other interesting one was Charlie Sheen auditioned for the role of Blaine. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep, that would make perfect sense around that time. Mm. And I'm assuming it's based off that audition is why he brought him in to uh, Ferris Bueller in that weird small role in the police yes, station. that's right. Yes. Yeah, I always <laughs> forget he's in there. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, I guess wrapping it up, um, it's not one of Hughes's best, but it is, I think, solid. Yeah, I, I think so too. I think... Um, <laughs> and I honestly think like our chat, like breaking it down has made me enjoy it more <laughs> than when it, I was... Yeah, it's sort of one of those ones where it's... You don't, because it's not grand or not bombastic or anything like that, like this, you're not going to walk out just going, wow, that was diehard. Yeah. That was, yeah. <laughs> um, or even Breakfast Club, which has some seriously epic moments and yeah. some real tear-jerking moments and it, stuff. Yeah, Breakfast Club wears its heart on its sleeve. Yeah, it really puts it out there, exactly. Yeah. This, this one's is, a little bit more subtle. subtle. Yeah, yeah, and um, but it's just the characters are all fleshed out so well like you know you feel like you know their her relationship with her dad and with ducky and with her friend yeah <laughs> like you, you know all the relationships very well and in a pretty short film and everything gets wrapped up at the end whether yeah you, you like it or not it's you know where of, everyone yeah. stands at the end of the movie yeah and you're not like you, you don't have doubt over any of it really yeah it's like yeah all right 
That, cool. that was that was that. That cool. was that. I hope they go okay after high school. Yeah. Well, no, that was the interesting <laughs> thing at, uh, at the, like the thirtieth uh, anniversary kind of thing. Um, <laughs> Molly Ringwald revealed like in her mind, it's like, oh yeah, no, we broke up like two months later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. And um, John Cryer was like, yeah, and he thinks Ducky uh, later in life comes out as gay. I thought that too. Yeah. <laughs> so he kind of in college finds himself yeah. and yeah would yeah. later. And that is gay. I'm like, all right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but Eric as a kid, what do you reckon you would have... I reckon if I watched it at the right age, I would have really liked yeah, it. Yeah, this is like maybe 13, 14, yeah, maybe. Yeah, I think if I watched it that age, I would have... Um, I probably would have watched it with one of my sisters as well. Mm. And I think um, it just it's just got... You, you can just really get behind the characters. And um, it's just nice. It's not too long. And you just... I think Yeah, I think I would have enjoyed it a lot. Nice. I don't think it would have been similar to you. I probably would have only seen it maybe twice, but yeah, um, I would have. I would have good memories of the film. I think, and I'd tell people that's a good film. It's worth watching. Yeah, it, it's one where like I, I get why uh, some people absolutely love it, and Definitely. it's, it's their like go to one. I get it. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I just yeah. Yeah, I can definitely understand why people get behind it mm. a lot. Um, and for me, it'd just be one like I wouldn't just go, "Oh, it's on Netflix. I'm going to watch that again sometime yeah. soon." I'm like, "Oh, cool! It's on Netflix." Cool. I'll remember that. Good to know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, and, and yeah, today, obviously, I, I did like it a lot. Mm. Yeah. Nice. Uh, well, I guess it's about that time of the episode where... It's top hat time. <laughs> All right. So, next episode, the film that will be up there will be... Oh, The Wedding Singer. Oh, going from a, fil- a 1986 film to a modern film... Set in 1985. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. That similar soundtracky. Okay. Yeah. So this is just like this is like probably the key Adam Sandler movie that I haven't seen. I think. Yeah, and this is one I I'm kind of happy you pulled this out because for the last couple of weeks I've actually been kind of craving rewatching this. Yeah, and people I, have been mentioning it for some reason. Well, I reckon recently. I, I, I reckon it's because we I was round at our, our friend Lee's place and she had it like out, like she'd been watching it or something, and I was like, yeah. oh man, I, I really want to rewatch that movie now just for some reason. But I know it's in the hat, so I, I can't. Yeah. It's like if I watch it, I guarantee Eric will pull it out and like surprise yeah. with doing this. But this is one like I'm very prepped for, and I have a lot of. A, Opinions on Adam Sandler and thoughts, and I yeah, I'm I'm very excited for this one actually. Yeah, me too. Like it's just it's just been sitting there for a long, 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 long time. Yeah, and um and Adam Sandler was such a big deal for our age group growing up. (laughs) Yeah, which which is why I've got (laughs) some thoughts on. (laughs) So I'm looking looking. Yeah, but yeah, people have been talking about this one recently, and I've been having to pretend to laugh along and know what they're talking about. (laughs) Yeah. So I'll be in on the joke soon. Yeah. Uh, well, I guess other than that, all that's left to be said is uh, thanks everyone for listening. Uh, we hope you enjoyed the episode. Um, uh, we're kind of we've we've got maybe about ten or ten or so left in the hat, yeah, I'd say. Like so it. we'll be drafting the new list of films in the future. So if you have any suggestions, um, you can send us an email at haven't seen pod or one word uh, at gmail.com. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Otherwise, we'll see you in a fortnight's time for The Wedding Singer. Uh, Thanks for listening. Uh, I'm Chris. I'm Eric, and we'll catch you next time. Please rewind this cassette before returning it to your video library.